Hello and welcome to Succession Obsession, a podcast about HBO's fantastic series Succession. This is a wrap-up podcast of the entire series. Now we've had like 10 days or so to think about how we feel about the series as a whole. And we'll be talking a little bit about what each of the characters brought to the show and key themes, key themes of the show and why we think this is maybe the greatest show ever written for TV. TV. Not about royalty, Bob. Not about royalty as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was good. You, yeah. And the dog. Sorry and about the dog. We're explaining. Okay, so we're going to start with one of the emails that somebody very kindly sent in. Um, Curtis Henderson wrote to us and said, I've been waiting for someone to ask why Shiv didn't play her hand at the end to be CEO of Waystar. She was just the deciding vote on the board, simply could have walked out the room, called Matson, and said, if you want the deal to go through, make me CEO. Um, it's been driving me crazy. Um I think that's a very good point, really, isn't it? I think it's a very good point. Yeah. I have to admit, I, when I first read that email, I was like, oh, bugs. Well, it's sport the whole series, that's what you're thinking, wasn't it? <laughs> a little bit. But I just, so go through that. Let's go through so how what, that would have worked. So what Curtis is saying, isn't it, is that why didn't, um, uh, why didn't when Shiv knew she had the casting vote to decide whether um, the sale was going to go through to Gojo or not, mm. she realised it was all down to her, why didn't she say, I need some time out from this, get, get Matson in the corner and say, I can make this deal go through, but I'm only going to do it if you uh, make me CEO of Waystar, which I think is, is an excellent point. And it would have fitted in somehow with um, Shiv's desire to be, um, to be, you know, to take over from Logan. But I think maybe the reason why we hadn't thought about that before is because because actually the ending was very satisfying in in the way it happened anyway it didn't actually the the way the way it did the way it did take place in that shiv voted for the deal but really we know she was voting for the deal to get a Kendall anyway. She was, so she was voting against Kendall. She was voting against Kendall rather than for her and and in the end because the whole of the last few minutes of the of the episode of the whole series were really um it was all about sibling rivalry in the end, wasn't it? None of them wanted the other one to, to, to take over. And that was the, the foremost theme by that point, really, wasn't it, that I think we come to? Yeah. I mean, I'm yeah. also just running through, just thinking that potentially what did she have on Matt's and she didn't have the time to conjure up any kind of actual formal written deal. So she'd have only had his word and his word wasn't any use anyway. That is true. That is true. So... That maybe might have limited it as uh, well. And also, really, as well, if you think about it, if she had done that, her life would have been a disaster, wouldn't she? She might have been CEO, but he could have easily like got rid of her somewhere down the line. Oh, no, 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 but that's, that's not how those characters think. So that's not an yeah. issue. Yeah. I, I do think it's a really good point. Yeah. Um, I, but I didn't think of it, and maybe that's why... Do you think it was just the way they told the story? I suppose that's what you're saying, is the way they told the story... It did, I mean, I mean, that was the thing we talked about last week, is it did sort of come out, of, well, I felt it was a little bit of a surprise. So the fact that they didn't signpost Shiv's issues, I think that's part of the reason why it wasn't that obvious. Because I haven't heard anybody well, else... Why what wasn't so obvious? Well, Curtis's point. So right, Curtis, yes. I haven't heard anybody else talking about that No, at all. in all the things we've read, and we've read a lot. Too, read a lot, yeah. 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 And I think it's brilliant, I thought, to, to yeah. bring that up. Um, but I think it relates to the way 
that you know the, the the writers played it that we just didn't we because I think we're so surprised by Shiv doing that yeah that we were that's what the focus of our brains was were on rather than thinking it through of Shiv's kind of you know motivation and what she was ultimately wanting yeah and all the different ways in which she might have succeeded to get what she wanted this wasn't uppermost in her mind or in our minds because sibling rivalry was so much the, the mm. focal point of the story at that point. I think it just goes to show, doesn't it? It just, just shows really that, um, as writers often say, it's infuriating to them because the audience is always much cleverer than the writers, really, when you're watching it. But And you can't think of absolutely everything as a writer, can you? I'm sure there's kind of probably other little points of people saying, why not this? Why didn't this happen? Or yeah, but actually, mm. when it comes to it, you're kind of looking for as a writer, you're looking for the most satisfying finale. And I think everyone, I'm certainly very satisfied with this finale, even though now Curtis has pointed this out. I'm, I'm just a little bit less <laughs> satisfied. Bit yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think they wanted it. They they obviously wanted to come to a point where none of the siblings won. Because yes, it was that was that was kind of and in some ways, like I say, good writing is when it seems completely inevitable but you didn't see it being completely inevitable yes and now it seems inevitable that they didn't want any one sibling to come be on the on the rise yes so great point curtis thanks curtis thanks thanks for analyzing that i think i do understand why that wasn't but mainly why that wasn't thought about by anyone really i think because we were so satisfied with the conclusion curtis obviously wasn't satisfied though (laughs) yeah, I'm, I think he probably was, but yeah. but um, he did say it was driving said, him crazy. <laughs> he did say it was an epic series. Yeah. series. Um, but I do, I know what you mean. If you think of one thing, and you're yeah, like, Damn it, why did they? Mm. Why did, yeah, yeah. But hopefully, it yeah. didn't ruin everything. But well, because I was kind of thinking, I know that you wanted in this podcast to talk about what, uh, you know, in general, why why is this series so brilliant? You know, yeah. that's a pretty What's trite it? way of putting it. But what yeah. was what does it give us? What was so good? What's it made us think about after yes. after a couple of weeks or ten days or so after it's finished? What's it what's it left us with in a way? And I still think what I think we have different things that we were wanting to talk about. Yeah. Um, but my thing, what I love about uh, TV series that I love are probably a, a lot about my relationship with the characters, and that's something a lot of people I know haven't warmed to succession or the people that aren't converts mostly they say oh i didn't i just didn't like the characters i didn't oh they're all super rich and kind of horrible and oh i don't i don't care about them but lots of us i think you had to care about them you did have to it wasn't like oh the writing was so good i didn't care about the fact these people were shits somehow even though they never betrayed the core truth that these people are problematic and unsympathetic yet I was still sympathetic yet I did still care about them and I think that's what I wanted to talk about yeah. some of the kind of characters journeys yeah. now it's, it's, as I just wanted to also mention if, if you may hear some shuffling I know I know we're not people that bring a lot of like oh our personal stuff into the podcast but I just wanted to have to clear this up if you do hear a lot of shuffling normally we uh, live uh, in the south of England and we have a cat that occasionally tries to get in. We're kind of dog sitting on holiday and we have a dog that is won't leave us won't leave us be. So <laughs> that's Jeff in the background. He's making the odd sort of noise and shuffling, yes. but apologies anyway, for that. Back to succession, yes. What? So what so yes, so I think that, that is interesting about like why do we care for these characters? And I think 
maybe it's indicative of something in that, and I'm not the only person to say this, I've heard other podcasts saying this, is that one character which no one seemed to warm to particularly was Nate, who is the oh, other okay. the other yeah. um, PR guy for <laughs> firstly for Gill and then eventually for the, the, the Democrats isn't it, in the yeah. in the final election, and I think uh, this was this was um, something which I heard one of the um, presenters on the Prestige TV podcast saying was that the reason why he thought that we did end up being sympathetic for the character in succession is because we saw their young lives at some point. We yeah, saw yeah, we yeah. saw them as we knew what it was like to them to be vulnerable children at some point, particularly for the three siblings. Yes. And and his his theory was that if ever you see how a child was vulnerable, you cannot help but be sympathetic to that. Yeah, character. or how an adult was vulnerable as a child. How yeah, an adult was vulnerable. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and we and obviously we heard about that with Logan as a character in the you know in his in the funeral speech from his brother. You know, we heard what had happened to him, and I, I must, I did feel for Logan in that more than I had done at okay. other points. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna counter that. Okay, but, but which is yes, I didn't. So they dropped the way they dropped thing information in about Logan. Yeah, you, you did go. Oh yeah, that's. Mm, I do feel bad, and we know we'd seen some things about. Sort of, it looked like he'd been sort of thrashed in his back. Yes, I was in the retreat thing. Yeah. Wasn't it? it had scars in his back. But yeah. you know what? I never really cared about. Not really. No, no, I, I am not. So, I'm so not what I'm that. saying yeah. is, this is something yeah. different, and yeah. I think this is what is really clever about the writing in the, those three siblings is that there was never, never overly overt, but the the sort of drip feeding of their pain that came from their childhood, their very privileged childhood. I mean, it, it became a little bit more, especially in that funeral um, episode, um, but. Mostly it was just slowly things like, for example, mm-hmm. Kendall defending Roman for in, in an instant when he sees when his Logan dad. When Logan hits him. Yeah, when Logan, yeah. When Logan hits, hits Roman and Kendall being like, you don't do that anymore or you don't do that, you know, no more of that. Yeah. And it's so, it just is so quick and fast. It, 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 it's, it's fascinating for that point as well because you know that, that Roman, you, you see more Roman, Roman denying it and, and, you know, playing it down. Kendall's, you know, um, the fact that he, he is defending Roman, who they have such a cantankerous relationship a lot of the time. Um, it was fantastic. It's just brilliant storytelling. And yeah. because at the heart of it, you were also just thinking it can't you know without having a clear idea or some horribly over sentimental, vivid kind of uh image in front of you but you just you just have this looming sense of horror that what you know what this boy had suffered this young man i'm thinking of a couple of other instances as well like when we hear just as an aside um connor saying that he was the one that took roman fishing when they were younger was it and like well yeah and kendall i think and ken yeah but but rather than logan doing it wasn't it something about and and just that one little sentence gives you just this just there's such an image of them as children, wasn't yeah. it? And like, and probably it was a painful episode that they went on. And then, but they were trying somehow, weren't they? Connor was trying to do something brotherly, something or something fatherly almost, because he was he was the oldest. Yeah. And it did it. It just sort of breaks your heart every instance of that, really. In a way, wasn't some. But sorry, but, yeah. but yeah, I, yes. I I just I just love that sort of search so uh, just getting to know these people i think that's what it it helped me do i it 
it was clever in the way it let me get to know these people and sympathise so much with them. Yeah. So something else just occurred to me, sort of relating to the the them as children part, is that do you think the you know the weekly repetition of the titles and seeing the old mm. videos in it? Do you think that helped with that as well? I I I feel those are some of the best titles I've ever seen for that reason. I think now that's that's I'm now thinking it's because of what you're saying. It's because just this constant hammering home of like the bit that really sticks in my mind is them riding the elephant just as the piano really rouses <laughs> in the theme music and they're being they've been thrown about on the top of this elephant you're thinking yeah you had all this stuff as a child but was it really so good was that what you were after and and i'm gonna i'm gonna save this for talking about later because i think it's one of the major themes i'll be thinking about i think that's why the the scene in the uh, right at the end with them watching Logan on video singing um, mm. with Joe. I think that's why that's such an important scene, but I'm going to come back to that. Come back, okay. talk about okay. that later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, yes. Um, so my point is really just how much I love the characters and also the, the, of oh, particularly the, the main three siblings. Yeah. Sorry, Connor. Um, but... <laughs> yeah. I'm the eldest boy. Yeah. <laughs> oldest son. So what you were saying to me before about this was you wanted to know what does each character bring to the story, really, wasn't it? That's what you were saying about thinking about each yes. of the characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I think just thinking about Shiv as well from that email from Perty said that sort of made me think about Shiv and, and her her journey through everything as well. Um, in particular, as one of the the key female characters, and I think there's a lot to say about female characters in Succession. They are um, you know, it's not exactly a 50-50 split, but there's a lot of very interesting um, women who do have power, but like in the real world, they seem they are always tend to be a little bit below or beneath or, um, you know, the Ebert to Madsen or... Um, Jerry as well, Jerry to... Jerry to Logan, Logan for, yeah. really. Um, and we kind of see that with Jerry as well, don't we, in the fact that... Jerry's powerful position is is in some ways um, affected by Roman sending her dick pics, isn't it? I mean, like he's the one. It's like, I don't, I'm sorry, I just that wonderful bit. Now yeah. I think it's when somebody, I think Shiv goes in to check on Jerry, and and Shiv sort of uses sort of language like, you know, oh, are you okay? You know, you have been the victim of a sort of sexual, uh, um, sexual harassment. Sexual, yeah, yeah, sexual harassment. Um, but it's used in a way that is if it gives Jerry, it makes Jerry weaker if she gives into it or yeah. if she plays it a bit wrong. Um, and you realise that this is, you know, it was so clever. It was so brilliant. Um, and Shiv, I mean, Shiv all the way through has had, she's the most important female character and she's often felt like, um, you know, she was a little bit of an outsider to the family in the first season because she was working for Gil yeah yeah yeah, she's outside it's like I'm not part of this dad I think we don't know what's happened in the past but we sort of pull a few things um out and and begin to understand but she gets seduced back in in the second season she she can't help it and I mean that's one of those beautiful scenes where she thinks you know she she's so honored and so amazed that Logan's offering her um this chance to, to you know maybe to be 
maybe to be the CEO. And she distrusts it and she knows she shouldn't trust this man, but and yet she does. Do you do you think because um, it occurred to me that what the what the Shiv character brought to the whole series in a way was she compared to Kendall and Roman, we we often saw these flashes of a greater morality in her than we did see in Kendall and Roman. But just because and the, and one the, the the instance I'm mainly thinking of mm. was in the election episode, you know, um, episode eight of the final season, where Roman says. When they, they when they say they're gonna they're gonna like make Mencken president, Roman says none of it matters. Doesn't matter who's president. And they have a, a very deliberate shot. I mean, my, my lot of director talked about this shot, how it was shot differently, where it's like a close up on Shiv's face, and she's saying, just says, sometimes it does matter, Roman. And mm-hmm. and I, and you kind of feel that amongst all of this power grabbing that she was doing equally at this point. There was still a little bit of her which knew in a way that Kendall and Roman didn't seem to, well, apart from, they might have known it, but they didn't care anyway. They always seemed a little bit more about Shiv, that she had had a little bit more moral backbone, I'm, if you like. Than I'm the not going to, I know, I think I've heard Sarah Snook say that, you know, her character gets maybe more criticism than Kendall and Roy, and maybe that's just because she's Kendall a woman. Kendall Roman, yeah. Kendall Roman, so yeah. yeah. Um, and maybe that's because she's a woman. Um, but I'm now going to criticise her. But um, I don't think that's... I think there are points... There are so many points where she betrays... She is the more... I think what you're mistaken for is being more moral as she's slightly more on the left um, politically. Okay. No, and, that maybe that's and fair. And that's going yeah. to be attractive to your um, point of view. Yeah. And, but that does not mean she's more moral. That you, you don't take... You don't feel it's genuine her thinking that it does matter whether Mencken is president or not. Do you know, I don't know if she does. I don't know. I don't know. I really don't know. And I think we're left, it's left ambiguously in that episode. Well, I mean, Mark Mylod said that that shot was quite deliberate to make you kind of feel that she did mean that when she said it. I'm going to go against... (laughs) Okay, you're going against the director of that episode. Fair enough. That's okay. But there's so many ways... (laughs) <laughs> which she does, I mean, again, and maybe I am criticising, it is, yeah, actually, it's quite true that we do probably hold women up to higher standards. What I'm thinking of, the kind of the biggest betrayal is when she approaches one of the victims at the... Um, or the cruises. The cruises. Yeah. And that seems, there is something sort of so horrific about um, a woman obviously using her you know, sisterhood. Yeah, vibe. talking woman to woman. To yeah, her. yeah. To, to, to persuade her purely to get what her family wants and to let her, you know, betray this woman so, so badly. She And it's just that, like, the intelligence and brilliance that she, Shiv has in, in being capable of turning this woman around is, is extraordinary. And... Yeah, and then she yes. she betrays her. So there is, and, and perhaps you know, is it is it bad of me to to sort of be saying, well, I, I feel more disappointed in Shiv doing that than Roman doing that, and Kendall doing that because Kendall and Roman couldn't do that because they don't have that particular power of being female in that point. So there's something. Well, it's, it's difficult to to say call that, isn't it? Because you're starting from a position where where women in general have less power than men, power than men. But then 
Shiv's using a particular sort of power that women do have mm. to to get what she wants, and, and a sort of a, a soft a soft power that yeah, I, I know what you mean. I, I'm not can't, I don't think I can't criticize her more than Kendall and Roman. Though I don't think it's just. She's just doing. She's just using what she's got, really, isn't it? In that position, I mean, as everyone yeah, is, yeah. and that um, makes me think about Shiv's where Shiv's ends up as yeah. well, which seems incredibly sad that she's. I mean, we don't know. Obviously, there could be many things in the future, but it's left. We feel that she's going to have this power behind Tom, and maybe even as sad to think she's going to have a child and that child might then inherit, you know, yeah. as as does seem the norm. Um, it's that, so, that's assuming that Tom and Shiv stay together, isn't it? Which it also, seems like... Many, so, many assumptions. Many, many assumptions, yes. But, but it just seems such a, a sad thing that she's gone for something that is a, just the role that women in history have often... Yeah. Being um, doomed to be the only one that's available to them, which is just well, I will father sons, and you know, there's, there's, you know, the, the famous women in history are often people that just had famous sons, and they managed to shove them to the front, and they were incredibly strong. Um, do you think that's characters. something the writer, the writer, Jesse Armstrong, writers were trying to trying to say that this is this is how women end up nowadays, you, or is it just a sort of consequence of the story? I, d- I I don't think they're saying that women. I mean, I I don't I don't think they're saying that that women are still. But I think they're accepting. I mean, we we've known that there was uh, issues. You know, Logan says when he's talking to Shiv about something about her becoming CEO and she's saying you know you don't you know you've never picked me before or something like that because I'm I'm a girl or you know obviously she was aware of this um uh discrimination towards her from a dad or she was accusing a dad of discrimination and he was like yeah well, it's not great you're a woman that's obviously not <laughs> yeah not gonna help but I'm, I'm, I'm willing to overlook it but <laughs> yeah. of course it's not great and that's a very real that's Logan truth. all over though isn't it he's just like what's good for business basically and he very pragmatically is like women have a harder time in business as yeah, far as and he's but, concerned. But, yeah and that's just representing yeah. the probable reality and yeah. I don't I don't think they're the, the last thing but I think it did seem and again it just feels it often reminds me I know I said this before about how succession you know, the word succession just always makes you think about um uh, you know, royalty um, and history and, you know, the wars of somebody's Spanish succession or Dutch succession or something like that. And these have been, you know, how this is a really critical period in, in, in a nation's life. And I had this great theory that that, that didn't come off about politics. Anyway, but um, I don't know. I quite wanted to bring in, um, there was another email that we got from, I think it was... Um, Norman Tagen, um, that's your name, right? I hope he's from Hopkins, Minnesota, and he had um, a theory about Henry the Second that Logan was similar to Henry the Second. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, and I wish Norman, I had your knowledge of history. I know Henry the Second. The only thing I ever really knew about him was that he was the guy that did for Thomas Beckett. Um, Actually, that's very Logan Roy, isn't it? Sort of say, 
oh, who will rid me of these turbulent priests? I'd so never wanted to kill Thomas. Oh, I can't believe you mistook For my For those meaning. of us like myself, you might need to explain a little bit more about uh, the, the story of Thomas Becket. All right, right. Yeah. Briefly, yeah. Um, Thomas Becket, he's like the mates with Henry II. Um, he's a big priest at the time. Big priest at the time, <laughs> yeah. Well, he wasn't really. So my probably totally wrong history lesson was that they were mates he um, gave him, like then being in the church was just a career, gave him top dog um, kind of uh, position in Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, then apparently Thomas Beckett gets all, gets religion properly, gets to sort of say things that then is, annoys Henry. And Henry apparently says in a, in a moment of peak, who will rid me of this turbulent priest oh, yeah. at the time when there's four knights who happen to be passing? They've got, oh, right, we heard the guy. Let's all run off and kill him. They go and kill him in the cathedral, which is like, man, you don't do yeah. that. That's really sacred. Um, and then Henry II seems really contrite. And he does, I don't know, scourges himself, all sorts of things like that. Actually, but actually, Whatever. I'm just realising... This is nothing to nothing, do with it. Nothing to do no. with Norman's email. I you wanted to know about yeah, sorry. what You mentioned about. Thomas Beckett. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah. anyway, that's my... But Norman's pointing out that basically uh, Henry II had many uh, children, but none of them actually eventually became succeeded. Um so and there's actually his counsellors who survived the best. Yes, yeah, so I guess Jerry, Jerry and Carl and Frank is sort of talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. it's interesting, interesting. Because I think a lot of people compare, um, com- have compared succession to King Lear, which yeah. is also obviously a key succession Shakespeare, um, which kind of works, except nobody's Cordelia. You know, <laughs> she's the nice one. I mean, I, I must, must say, when all, I've heard all these comparisons to, of succession to Shakespeare and to royal succession, um, I do kind of think, well, yeah, obviously, because all kings were involved in succession somehow. And, you know, so you could probably compare them to, to lots of different... So I'm wondering what what's what's uh, what does this mean to, to think about it in, in legal terms? I think terms? it's yeah. because there is something... I think this is one of your themes, is that succession, there is something very personal. So Henry VIII or whatever had, uh, he he needed a son. He needed a son and he wasn't having a son. And the reasons for that was because, I don't know, probably Catherine of Aragon was fucking rhesus negative or something like that and kept having miscarriages. So, and then because of that, just because of a very personal thing or, or, or very, you know, human and and small and innate and and it becomes the reformation in the uk and and you have oh jeff you have to stop making that noise come here <laughs> um so jeff's the dog um so you you some some something the, the succession is so astonishing because you have something that can be very like intimate like your own particular fertility becomes a huge political massive ramifications for Many people. I mean, the you know, you Britain, England, at the time becoming Protestant, uh, huge implications. In the same way of the, you know, the, the, what, what succession here can mean for huge amounts of the population as yeah. well. Well, you're right. I do want to come back to talk about that for later in our sort of themes section that we're thinking about. But while we're still on, I still want to think about what you were saying about what each of the characters brings to this story. What the what what importance each character had. And while you were talking about Shiv, I think we should then think about Tom as, as, as the eventual successor, if you like. 
what do you what do you think um you know the arc of the tom story over the whole thing what what has that told us about in the story what does what do you, what do you take away from it i mean i i guess it's it's one of those things where it's kind of tom is very neutral well one thing hang on i want to say about tom is in many ways, Tom doesn't have the character advantages, if you like, of the siblings. That yeah. We know fuck all about his childhood or how That's he was brought up. That's true, yeah. We so still feel sympathetic for him. We still feel sympathetic. I can put it down to nothing more except for Matthew McFadden's brilliance because his... And, and, and well, I suppose we will feel sympathetic when we see a character's vulnerability. And Tom, as a character, doesn't want to see anybody to see his vulnerability. Yeah. But we do see it from Matthew McFadden's acting. Yes. yes. Yeah, they do. We see he, he's sort of that wonderful way of concealing pain. I'm, I'm thinking of when him and Shiva having a conversation and she, he knows she's about to tell him something and she pours some drinks and he goes, oh, that's a, that's a biggie, Ooh, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Is this about the agreement? Yeah. Lots, yeah, because Tom, Tom is, and I think one of the reasons maybe we can, um, we feel sympathy for Tom in even though we don't see stuff about his childhood, is because we feel for him yeah. in a way that perhaps we, we, you know, when we know other people around us, we feel that they're more privileged, they have more luck, they have more advantages. And Tom is in that position. Tom and Greg are in that position, really, aren't they? They don't have the advantages of the siblings. And so we kind of feel for them in that manner in some ways. Greg has quite greg is there because of his of nepotism that's true okay maybe this is more about tom then tom tom doesn't have the but he and and as a result of these things he he gets severely shat upon for like quite a lot of the series i mean he's treated abominably by shiv with the saying she wants an open relationship on their wedding day and him being made the full guy by logan for um you know for the cruises and then for lo- loads of season um, season two, he's threatened with prison, and it's well, he, just, he yeah, has yeah. the bomb. Well, the the painful cruelty of shivs on their wedding night. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's oh. yeah. Sorry, I was trying to get the dog. To yes, I realised that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. So, what's your 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 point is? Well, so my my I think my point about Tom is that the his the meaning of his character in some ways is that the suits often win in this case. He he is he is like your your high up manager who will do the bidding of whoever asks first in Tom's case, firstly Logan later um, Madsen and it, as such will become very powerful, but their cravenness for power is, is very bad for the rest of us a lot of the time because they will do all, they will be a pain sponge as pain you know. Sponge. And he, you know. he has, he doesn't appear to have any great qualities of, um, intelligence or creativity or no, I mean I feel like anyone could have run ATN on election night if, if that's all that they had to do all that Tom did really and, and he has <laughs> no scruples at all he's well no. pain sponge he's a scruple free and and his thing of like rubbing his eyes in mock in mock um sort of sorrow when when Greg's sacking all of the employees of ATN it's like I mean that's just a bondable exactly. sort of behavior yeah. he didn't even need to do that he it's is like, quite vulnerable yeah. and his his desire to bully Greg is yeah. quite unpleasant as yeah. well but. but but that's that's my that's my take on and i think i have heard jesse armstrong talking about this about like it's the you know we need to watch the suits basically we think the we look at these people in power like the elon musks and the you know rupert murdoch's and we think oh they're the problem but actually the suits just underneath them are also just as big a problem because they need people to do their bidding they're not going to do this bidding themselves 
they won't they won't they won't be the pain sponge themselves they have to get other people to do it and if we didn't have the people agreeing to be the pain sponge i mean and you could say the same of carl and frank and jerry in some ways as well mm. they're also representative of that we we should be as critical of those these people as we are of of logan and the okay. siblings so you in some think ways. that's an important theme no no yes for sure yes okay yeah. what do you think about i know we sort of briefly roman and kendall yeah. as well i want to Talk about those, so the kind of two key male protagonists. And Kendall appears to be the much more, at least from season one, you know, he is, we start off with that, oh, yeah, he was going to be the, he's kind of the heir apparent, apparent? I'm not saying that right. But the, you know, he he feels he's got, he's in a position to take over. Roman has just been a bit of a playboy and farting around. This kind of turns um, Roman getting a little bit more um, respect, you know, so it grows and Kendall, well, having that kind of uh, attempted coup, absolute low. I mean, he just goes from highs to lows and so, so many things. Do you, I mean, often when you talk about Kendall, I think many people feel that Kendall was the key protagonist of yeah. Succession. Do you think that's fair? I, I know, definitely, because we ended with a shot of him, of Logan, didn't we? I mean, of Kendall. Kendall, sorry. So that says to me, and Kendall was very much sort of like the main driver of the story in the early episodes, as far as like, you know, trying to take over from Logan. And then we end with, I think, yes, it's definitely fair to say that he's the main protagonist, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you, and what does that mean about succession? And if he's the main protagonist, what is the message of the whole show? If we're seeing it, always, if we're seeing it through his eyes. Well, the one thing I wrote down when you were asking the question, what does each character bring to the story? The one thing, the key thing I wrote down for Kendall really was that his line in the very last episode when he says, I'm a cog that only fits one machine. I felt like that was the, that's the sadness of Kendall's character in some ways, that he's been he's been primed for this role his whole life, you know, his whole I, I feel I feel Kendall is the young boy with the cigar in his mouth at the beginning, you know, in the titles. See, he's, I think that's Roman. You think it's Roman? I don't think they probably don't they don't actually know, but that's I'm reading it as Kendall because I'm thinking of him when he says he was promised at age seven, he was promised the leadership of Waystar age seven. And I'm thinking that's him there, the seven-year-old celebrating with her. And so this is all this is all he's been promised and all he thinks he can do. And and as such, I think this is the this is the kind of the part of the story that Kendall brings to the whole thing, is that is that human beings need to be more flexible than that. <laughs> human beings cannot be primed. They're, I mean, for one thing, they're not when you look at like the Murdoch children, like Lapin Murdoch and James Murdoch. I mean, I don't say I don't know that much about that much about them, but whenever I see them in the news, I'm often seeing. Are you really the right sort of person for taking over a business empire? Rupert Murdoch built this empire, and so he seems like, in the same way as Succession, he he knows how this empire works. But why should a child of one of these people ever be someone who's suitable? Well, they they might not have the right characteristics for it. They might just might not be suited to it, and that seems the the tragedy of Kendall's life, really, doesn't it? He's just not suited to this. Yeah. Again, it takes me back to royalty then, because yeah. that's the classic thing of um, somebody who's brought up and to take a job. So you take a job which is set by, by before you're born, and if weird circumstances mean you don't get to do it, I mean, there's been what well, feels like 
Charles, for example, who spent his entire life waiting. Um, there's King Charles, given King that everyone's Charles, in the UK. That's true. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, and, you know, there's kind of a certain chance he might just drop dead tomorrow. And that would be like, whoa, his entire life has been the naught. Well, actually, I'm saying, I'm saying this, I think this is slightly different in that um, no, no successor to a regal throne might be suitable for it, really. But at least the Murdochs and the Logans of this world built their empire and they knew what they were doing to build that empire. And then then their child might take over and not be suited to well, it. But that's like, a, I mean, basically the royal family somewhere back down the line was a massive warlord who managed to win. Fair, so, yeah, I true. Mean, somewhere down the line, yes. Yeah, okay, yeah. no, that's true. Same that thing. Is true. Yes. It just carries on a long time. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But... Yeah, I did. I yeah, I think that's an interesting thing. But I I would Which, say sorry, what, what well, interesting? the interesting thing of the, the concept that the, the main theme is that you know if you do a you know you can't bring somebody up with the idea that they must have this future. I mean, but, are we told that hmm. as parents all the time in a way, like saying you have these expectations for your children, just throw them away because your children might not be like that, and that's yeah. Logan is certainly not taking that on board. No. Yeah. I mean, I think. So, yeah. yeah, similarly, but yeah. I think the twist is I, I think very much a lot of the, maybe not the themes or the key things, but I think so much of uh, Succession has, um, is, is built on a sense of psychology, really, and, and, and the effects of that and a very, I mean, for example, with Shiv and Tom, you can really see that, um, you know, Shiv's... Uh, what would you call it, like deranged attachment, really, not deranged, but avoidant attachment. Um, so you can see her wanting to sort of make a connection, but being so terrified of, of a commitment or love is something that terrifies her completely. And, and with Tom and sometimes the way their relationship works and you could, you know, look at it from the outside and see how one is trying to give and, and but just won't quite give enough and the other one then shits all over them um and i'm I, I i know i've got a strong sense that i think um jesse armstrong's got quite a good grasp about psychology and its effects on on people um and i think that really comes out in things like the parenting i mean really you could say that whole storyline about kendall is about parenting's important not to screw it up because you can really screw a, a person up if they have um shit parenting um, but the poison drips down. Oh, the poison <laughs> drips down. Oh, that's such a sad line. So, what would you, what's your what's your take an alternative take then on Kendall? You know, just summing up, what would you what you'd say Kendall's role in the story is in some ways? What is it saying? Is it is it about parenting? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just saying that off the top of my head. <laughs> no, well, that's, um, we're often talking off the top of my head. Yes, <laughs> yeah. is it Ken? I don't know. I find Kendall mysterious because I find him the least warm of the siblings. So in yeah. my, you know, I feel like I've grown to love Shiv and Roman. And Kendall, I just feel, um, I feel less, I don't know, I feel less sympathy for, but I've seen him suffer so much. And and even though he's sort of like the most unlikable. Um, yeah. And that's, I mean, there's a there's a high bar for unlikability, yeah. but yet he's he's definitively the the least warm, the least human, the least, um, you, you know, like something's really been missing from him in that he can't um, 
you know, he doesn't have, you know, Roman is the one that is, although he's kind of the most unlikable in the pilot, you do, and again, it's so brilliantly dripped through, you slowly see his vulnerabilities and you, he's the one that will be the most likely to talk about love. You know, he's even, not just most unlikable in the pilot, he's the most unlikable all the way through. I'd say I think the election episode shows him yeah, okay. particularly unlikable. Yes, yeah. the election episode, he is. I, I think that was a kind of callback or, or a reminder that this person yeah. that you kind of got seduced into liking and being yeah. fond of has some really despicable core values. But he's just an empty shell, isn't he? Romanism, it's such a mechanism of, def- of defence. So that. You know, I think I heard some writers, maybe it's, I think it's Mark Mylod talking about, who's one of the directors, talking about how characters, you know, character development. And he's saying, I don't think that we do get really character development. I think actually everybody stays the same. And I, perhaps that is true, but it's our view of these people that does develop because we see, we are opened up to more of their character. Yeah. Um, And although... Yes, perhaps he's right in the sense that Kendall, for example, is is still in, at core very much the same Kendall as opened the, the first episode. He's also, we see, he has changed. That is a person. That's a very yes. broken person compared to that. True. I think in some ways he's talking about their life positions as well, isn't he? They're, they're both, they're, they're, all three of them are still like very wealthy children who haven't, no, 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 no. I don't think well. he meant that. I think he you meant think? no. I think he meant more that he was kind of going against the idea of like the hero's journey. The you must face these tasks, and right. then you will learn, and you will become a better person. Yeah. I think he's sort of um, yeah. more saying that's not what succession is about. No, none of them seem to have learned the thing really. Do they? That you don't, you don't feel I don't feel like any of them are going to go away and, and live their life differently as a result of this. Small chance that Roman. Might. No, I don't think so. I think I just Roman's, think that little smile yeah. when he ordered the drink. No, I think it's time. For, I think it's time for Roman to go properly off the Playboy rails here now. Well, I imagine. That's, yeah, that's feasible. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. The only so the other character I wanted to mention really yeah. briefly. Yeah. Um, I was going to sort of start with him because he's one of the characters that starts the whole everything. Is Greg? Greg does play quite heavily in the pilot, and I think yeah. a lot of I've heard people. There was always kind of the kind of almost jokey idea of, well, Greg's going to come up. Greg's going to be the one yeah. that wins in the end, which, which is, is laughable now, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I do think, like, Greg comes in and it, it, it just, well, you sort of think, oh, is he the uh, a character device that means that we can see the family through his eyes? And he's used a little like that, but not, there isn't any huge explanation. Uh, what's that word explanation oh, uh, exposition, exposition. Yeah. <laughs> you don't get exposition dumps because it's far too good a, a, a program for that but um so there's a little bit of a sense of you know you seeing through this new person um and he's obviously brilliant comic relief um especially him and 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 tom and their relationship um and that's all it is until season four and then he turns just he seems a bit horrible and again with that kind of sense of no I don't think anybody really changes I don't think he's been you know he's turned evil or wrong but yet he there's something about his his character has 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 is now we're now seeing it as really a little bit kind of slimy because he's reached a point in his career where he can now take you know pretty 
bad things. He doesn't. He never takes any pleasure in doing bad things. He doesn't, doesn't enjoy that, sacking no. people. He doesn't seem that affected by it either. He's not affected yeah. by it. It doesn't bother him. He's do, got no sympathy. Yeah. Do you think Greg is in some ways um, a bit of an analogy for something that has been said for the theme of um, some of season four in that I think we talked about this when we talked about the election episode and we said that um, perhaps Jesse Armstrong and the writers had been saying to us, look, you're having such fun with all the comedy of this series. You're laughing at all the characters, all their witty lines. But this is this, you know, changing elections is something that happens yeah. in the real world and this is what they can do. Do you think Greg's character is kind of, that's what his role in the series is like a bit in a way? Elections. Uh, use affecting elections. We'll use that as a term. I don't, think, I don't think we've got any evidence of changing elections. No, no, okay, affecting elections. It's not, yeah. But do you think Greg Greg's role, um, Greg's character's role in this series is in some ways um, a little bit like that in that we find Greg hilarious, Greg and Tom hilarious to start with, but then we slowly, like, like am I... My reaction to Greg was to start. I was always like delighted when Greg came on screen for mm. the first three seasons, and then I was in season four. I wasn't delighted anymore because I knew something slimy was about to happen, and maybe maybe we're saying, "Look, it's all very again, like with you know the series as a whole, it's all very well laughing at these characters, but they do affect things in the end." Is that I? Yeah, I I was thinking it was more that. Um... You, you know, to me, it feels more like a kind of character who loses his innocence. So it feels like um, somebody basically doing something that many of us could easily be guilty of because we can be seduced. Tom is um, Tom seduces Greg, doesn't he, in that great sort of early um, first season um, episode. And that's just funny and laughable. And, um, but he, he really does, you know, Greg is actually seduced by this life and any of us could do that and he still sort of thinks of himself as a you know a, a good person I'm against do you, stuff do you think that then you so you think at the beginning Greg you feel Greg is quite innocent and he doesn't think he he doesn't think of himself as a bad person I think Greg could have been a completely different easygoing kind of nice enough bloke if he'd been in a different society, I, mean, I guess too, everything, everybody's like that. But Too close to the possibilities of power and money. I Yeah. 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 There's a different, Greg could have been an utterly likeable, easygoing bloke, but he yeah. becomes a... A disgusting brother. A disgusting brother. <laughs> yeah. And really, you know, that's... Yeah. He feeds on... Ugh. So I, ha- I have one more thing to say about the character series. I think the main one we haven't talked about is Logan, obviously, yeah. is a main thing. My my thoughts about Logan after the whole thing finished really were that, um, and I, and this isn't um, this isn't uh, thought this is something else I heard on another podcast talking about it is that Logan had these two conflicting desires in him really in mm. that he um, he wanted to have some killer kids he wanted he would like to have had some children who were as good as him particularly Kendall as mm. good as him at running at running a business. But actually, if he'd really thought about it, kids who killer kids would have killed him. They would have like he would have been killed by mm. them if he if he had. Um, and this probably has lots of parallels in um, Regal Succession, I'm sure. In uh, yeah. I have better knowledge of, of Shakespeare and that sort of thing. But but Logan never realised that. I don't think did he? He he had those two thoughts in his mind. It was a real cognitive dissonance about them. That if he really had the killer kids he wanted, they would have killed him. 
you know, they would have uh, beaten him in the first season, really. Yeah. Do you think he would have? Okay, I'm just thinking, would he have liked that? I'm going back to the end of season two. No, I'll say he wouldn't have liked it, but he would have liked to have the killer. No, 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 no. Yeah. But maybe, oh, sorry. No, what I mean is some weird part of him might have liked being killed by his kids. Are you talking about the enigmatic Mona Lisa smile as he watches um, yeah. Kendall sort of betraying him on TV? Yeah. Yeah, I on don't the know. Yeah. That's a possibility that actually he was always disappointed his children didn't kill him. Yeah, but the thing is... There was that that sort of brief hint of a smile there, but then immediately when season three starts again, he is completely against Kendall. He's yeah. like he's trying to he's trying to kill him he's, back. He's yeah. got to be if he if he isn't tough enough to kill him, then there's you know. But he's also very cross with him as well, isn't he? He like, do you remember the point where he blocks his number on his phone and he won't let Kendall ring him anymore? I d- yeah. yeah I don't yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I I don't I'm not really agreeing with myself that he he would have wanted his kids to kill him really but perhaps some small some section of him did um, yeah I, I think I think it's something that we all we can all have a cognitive dissonances like that can't we we can want two opposing things not realize they oppose each other this is just Logan's particular flavor of that I think yeah. Lo- Logan Logan to me definitely is a character that doesn't develop at all I don't think no um he's the most straight laced really isn't he of all characters yeah, yeah. but yeah yeah and I don't know. Yeah, the one with the least sympathy and the one that shows almost no vulnerability. The the most vulnerable is, is when he has that conversation with his driver, Colin. Yes. But apart from that, and even that, I feel there was a pomposity and uh, not real vulnerability. It was almost like he was thinking about the idea of vulnerability than actually indulging in it. Yeah. No, he definitely didn't didn't show vulnerability. And Colin. even yeah. like I know you're talking about hearing about his difficulties and his upbringings, it didn't work on me in the same way. That didn't, I could theoretically feel a bit sorry for him, but well, that, it didn't actually make me feel that kind of level of warmth that I could feel for a Roman or Shiv. Oh no, no, I certainly didn't feel warmth. For him. I'm just saying that 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 was the one instance in the funeral speech from his brother where I. I understood Logan a bit more. I had a little bit more empathy for mm. him. Like n- nothing on the level that I did for the for the kids, but a little bit more than I had done up to that point. Yeah. Do you know yeah. um, who we haven't talked about though? Who's that? Gilda's boy. Oh, oh, poor Connor. We've even forgotten about him now. I know. Oh. Isn't that yes. delicious though? <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't even deliberate, was it? <laughs> Yeah. Poor Connor. Yeah. I think I think after we talk about Connor, we should move on to some of the yeah. otherwise yeah. podcast in the last know, fifteen know, hours. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And what can you say? Alan uh, Ruck. Yeah. God. Uh, yeah. An absolute genius performance. But I mean, but, I mean, we were really trying to talk about what. I, d- I don't think Connor gives so much. And in, in what you're talking, in what I was sort of saying was, these were people that I developed a relationship with. Um, those other three siblings. Yeah, I didn't really develop the relationship with Connor. It was more we waited for Connor to come along for the the comedy of yep. of the situation, well, particularly when he brought Willow with him. Yeah. <laughs> they were just both so good. Yeah. Okay. okay so, so you, I know you. Yeah. Well, more. so so this leads on what we were saying about with Logan just then about him having this sort of cognitive dissonance about about wanting killer kids. It's kind of like I was talking, but thinking about the themes of of uh, Succession as a whole. This is the. I think this is the main theme that kind of stuck in my head really uh, after thinking about it for a while was that what I feel succession is about in many ways is the conflict between business values and um, 
and family values. Mm. And I think this is this is maybe one of the things that that Logan can't see. He can't see that this is a problem because family value values are about about loyalty. They're about um, warmth. You know, if you want if you want to have you want to have your family close. Logan says quite a few times. I say this is all about family, and like you know, he says in the when they're on the. Um, uh, family counselling it's about family kind of thing mm. but Logan doesn't understand how to doesn't have a single clue how to have a warm family and this is why I feel the the scene that the video of Logan at the end in the last in the last uh, episode the very last episode yes it was yeah. wasn't it yeah. yeah watching him the reason why Roman particularly is so distraught of that is he's seeing the possibility of his family if Logan hadn't been such a monster he's seeing what a proper father could have been like could have been a warm father who had them all as children singing with him around the table or something, but he has his three senior executives doing it instead. And I think that is, that's why I, I feel this, that was even more important really than seeing the uh, meal for a king scene with the three siblings, because for, for Roman and Kendall and Shiv to see what their dad could have been as a real father must be just so killing for them, I think. Like, and, and Logan never understood that, this was what he had to do as a father in order to have his family with him as he wanted. He only ever ran on business values. And we've had, we've, uh, I think we've talked before in, in previous podcasts about the values of corporations mm. and, and business as a whole and how corporations are essentially psychopaths because they show no loyalty to you. They will sack you like Greg or sack 180 and employees, you know, at the moment's notice, whatever loyalty you've shown to them. Because they yeah. have to have the, the key underlying thing is they need to make a profit. And we and we see, don't we, in succession all the time that the shareholder, the we've got to like meet with the shareholders, we've got to do what the shareholders want. That is the bottom line. That the family is has no has no bearing on that whatsoever. And Logan thought he could bring these two things together and these two yeah. things do not mix. So yeah. it's the inter so you're not saying are you are you suggesting that the whole theme is uh could be said to be a kind of a critique of capitalism or do you think it's more just this kind of weird hybrid of capitalism and family values that just is impossible to i i think one of i don't i hope anyway that jesse armstrong has as much of a dislike as i do for corporations that try to use words that are to do with a family like loyalty and we are a family how much he hates hates that concept because that does just not rub you know there is no family values in a corporation yet they try to in, incite them all the time and you know okay and, i feel yeah. that this is going down a path that's, yeah, that's but, very close to your but it, it is because this is this is one of the themes that like i took most from this because i think this is such a this is such a big thing in society and in society at the moment like it it it's it, it's killing a lot of people because people will give their all in a kind of like loyalty to the family type way to a corporation and the corporation will never give it back. And, and it's the, it's the disappointment of that, that so many people suffer. I think that is, I think is one of the themes that Jesse Armstrong is trying to talk about here. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I, yes. I mean, funnily, I was more focusing on his failure as a father and his failure to sort of offer them, that sort of warmth and 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 love, rather yeah. than uh, yeah. I okay, think there's two sides of the same coin. I think they're still we're still talking about the same thing in a way. We're, we're talking about like um, yeah, Logan's inability to offer them proper 
warmth and love is meant that they they were brought up on business values really and that they mm. their family was molded on business values and you can't mold a family on business and neither can you run a company is does not contain any family values either it's the conflict between those i think which oh, which actually mm. leads into we had another email from chris ludwigson and he was talking about um listening to jeremy strong being interviewed on the HBO Succession podcast just mm. after the last episode. There's other podcasts on Succession. There are other podcasts, yeah. And Jeremy Strong, in a very Jeremy Strong manner, quote, mm. quoted Carl Jung in this, yeah. pod, in this podcast. And he's, I think he's kind of saying the same thing as I'm saying here about the conflict between family values and business values. And um, so Carl Jung quote is, where love rules, there is no will to power. And where power predominates, there love is lacking. The one is the shadow of the other. And, and as, as Chris goes on to say, because the siblings never had true love in their life, all they know is power, and that is what consumes each of them. Yeah, uh, I, I, that's a good point. Yeah. And, and I think that sense, so the, the sense that power, mm. power is a broad word, but yeah, okay, power in that sense of, of business within power. that business power. You can't have love in the same place is what, is what you can't, Carl no. Jung's saying and what Chris is agreeing with. We certainly don't have any examples of... of love and power existing you you have a kind of i know you think about we haven't talked much about what one of the most brilliant relationships of the show which is jerry and and roman and there is one where almost there is a sense and tentative but difficult difficult <laughs> difficult to navigate because there is some way in which you know roman has the 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 the, the, the hereditary right almost to to have be a, a contender for his to, to, to take control and Jerry has so much knowledge and sense and you know that that's something that she does feel that you know they both sort of make some comments about this could work and and you do sort of think yeah so there's one and yet then there is well Roman thinks there is love there I think or in Roman's very twisted disturbed sense of love there is love and I don't mean the sense that she's enjoying him sending he sends her dick pics I, I what I mean is I, a motherly love yeah yeah he turns one of the greatest saddest things in the last episode of season three is when um is when Roman um is so disappointed by his father his father you know when the mothers let them down and everything's uh they feel they've lost everything um and he he sort of he goes down i think almost on bended knee in front of of jerry to say you know can you help us what was you know what's going on and she was just like you know basically i've got a lot here i'm with your dad nothing i can do for you um which seemed like very very sad i'm not i'm i'm not feeling I'm not feeling that the relationship between Jerry and Roman is kind of representative of the sort of love that Carl Jung is talking no, about. No, I'm not. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, yeah. just love, I think no. I just wanted to bring that up. No, I no, but it. it's, it's not completely disconnected because, because you feel that if Jerry and Roman had been able to work together, however twisted and perverse their relationship was, it still would have been based on something other than business values. They could it? have had something yeah. which was just, yeah, yeah out, not... Not a romantic love, not yeah. not, but just an affection and and a, a respect and a love of a certain kind that would have bonded them and then given themselves a little bit of uh, power. But, but yeah, power. I don't know. But they would have been able to rely on each corrupts. other for 
for other for reasons other than business reasons as well. Yeah. But people, I still don't. I mean, yes, I get. I, I am not a business person, and I couldn't. I do not know yeah. a great deal about the business world. But I'm sure there are occasions where you have. Um, you may have siblings or something that trust one another. Um, yes, I'm sure there are instances of that. And yet, yeah. always possibly, there's that poisonous um, danger of the the temptation to power that might ruin that. I mean, we do we hear of examples, don't we, where you have like you know family business empires, and then there's various relatives in the business who don't speak to each other anymore you know because the power has corrupt has corrupted them you know i mean we, we probably we don't hear about the instances where it's working quite well probably as much as that because it's not as interesting but we certainly know that the power does corrupt it is a risk yeah 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 anyway that 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 leads quite neatly on to um one of the other things i was that, that just made me think about for you know mulling over the the series which is that if you think about the um the three siblings and how if they had been able to sort of foster some kind of sibling love between them, if they'd been able to work together, like we saw them at the beginning of, mm. of season four and, and the end of season three a little bit, they had an op- opportunity to, they could have actually won in some senses, couldn't they? They could have got what they wanted. They could have um, taken back the company and run, and run it themselves. But the fact that, each of those three individuals wanted to become the, the powerful person in, in, in the company meant that that's, that trio was never, never going to hold. And I, I wondered if from that, if, and this is, this is perhaps a bit of a stretch and I'm putting words into Jesse Armstrong's mouth, but I'm hoping he might possibly agree, is the idea that perhaps um, the American dream as we see it has possibly run its course as far as it being about individuals and and is it kind of saying that if people can learn to work together a bit more, there is actually more power in working together? And I, I think I remember, I remember someone else talking about this and saying that maybe uh, the COVID pandemic is sort of an example of this because uh, America did struggle a bit from not being able to be cohesive enough to have a, a sort of a cohesive response to it. And, and, and before I say any more about this, because yeah. I'm not shitting on America about this, yeah. because my view, of Amer- my view of America is that America is a country of extremes. It has some of the, some of the greatest things in the world and some, of the, and some of the worst things in the world. And it does, it does both things fantastically. You know, I, 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 yeah, okay. both the best and the worst. Just I think, okay, I think yeah. you're still in a hole there. Yeah, Englishman. Yeah, but I know mean, America was it was you know birthplace of democracy really. It yeah, had the best. Yeah, the best sort of like foundations of democracy in the world. But I feel this is what this is one of the themes. Even this is what the writers intended that comes out of it is that the American dream isn't working in the same way it used to. It used to have a the frontier mentality when there was lots of space to occupy and lots of new stuff to do, lots of entrepreneurship that would work out that mentality made sense then, but now it just doesn't work in quite the same way. I don't well. think it's, I don't know if, it, I mean, this is huge, but, I, and I feel un, underqualified, but I don't think it works in quite such a linear way. Like I would say, yeah, it doesn't work so well. The, the, the individualism, there are issues we have in the world at the moment, like managing a health pandemic, like managing climate issues, which 
are extraordinarily difficult to do in and and also let's broaden it because we're in a yes. capitalist country yeah, 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 i don't no. think i think most western countries are, yeah. are not that dissimilar from the states i'm only calling um, it the american dream because that's kind of a phrase we yeah. have for that kind of attitude isn't it it's not really about the states as such yes yeah. Yeah. yeah and um I, I, but some people have seen this as something about the sort of decline of the American um, empire, as it were. I mean, America what? has never really had succession. Yeah, I, the, I, I, what, I mean, this is something about? which in American podcast I was listening to talking about sort of the character of Madsen being a Swede and taking over. That seemed to symbolise something um, important to them that it was kind of uh, like other values were um, now getting stronger. I, Although Madsen would seem to embody American dream of values as yes, much as anyone, really, doesn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah he's no, he's no, um, no socialist. He's no, socialist, he's no like Scandinavian socialist, no. is he really? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I do think, I think for me, yes, I know it's a great comment about um, uh, the, the these ends of capitalism, uh, like this, this side of capitalism, but I, I for me, it's still what I get out of succession is a very is more about the psychology of it. It's more about those individual relationships and my relationship to those people, and it has some brilliant things to say. I don't know if that is that is not what I bring get from it. So there's been uh, in various interviews I heard with the characters, and apologies, I've forgotten the name of the actor who played Stewie, mm-hmm. but I heard him being interviewed. And he, for him, it, this was a, it was an anti-capitalist show. He very much yeah. thought it was. And Brian Cox also said he felt it was a, a political show as well. And he said, even though he talked to Jesse Armstrong about it and Jesse Armstrong said it wasn't a political show, he still thought it was. He thought he, but so do you not think you don't, you don't agree with either, either of those that you don't think it's a political anti-capitalist show? It obviously, it, it can be, it can be seen as that, yeah. um, but that's not what I, can I mention as well yeah. that the which is you know I I, I don't know I, this might be like pouring on but there's there's we have a let's be open about this very tentative relationship and knowledge we have about Jesse Armstrong yeah um, because like I did mention when we first started doing this podcast how I got to go to uh, run the premiere and that was very exciting and the reason I did is because I'm very good friends with um, his sister. Um, and I have met Jason Armstrong twice, and it was pretty embarrassing both times <laughs> because I'm massive. You know, I, I can't, I can't deal with meeting people I really admire. It's just even when it was at his sister's wedding, and I should have been friendly to my family. <laughs> and like me, I was talking with another massive fan of Peep Show. We're like, I can't talk to him. I can't talk to him. No, I think so. Um, I keep wanting to ask Hannah to say, could you ask your brother? Yeah, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that because yeah. I think Hannah's, yeah. uh, it's very, and it's quite funny anyway, because I, I know his sister loves, loves, thinks he's brilliant and really admires it, but I don't actually think she's as big a fan no. <laughs> as me and another friend. And we often talk about it and then we're like, oh, you know. But what were you about, what do you mean about that in relation to the political show? Yeah. I think... I think I, I I would like to, you know, be able to ask him. I don't think, I think it's about, I think the primary 
thing is about human relations. Well, he said to Brian Cox, it's not a political show. So um, I mean, I know there might be reasons to say I don't want it to be a political show because then that becomes very contentious and puts yourself very open to lots of things. And it is really, obviously, politics affects everything. So everything is a political show to some extent. I I would have a sort of follow-up question to that in in that whether, whether it is a political show or not, do you think shows like this can um, can have effects in in the real world? You know, if if like if this yeah. is trying to demonstrate to us um, that the super rich are actually incredibly miserable, yeah. and, and of course this is a drama, and we don't know that all the super rich are incredibly miserable, but we feel the truth of it somehow, don't we? We feel of this, we feel that this theme we were just talking about of the you can't have love and power don't coexist well mm. together. You feel the truth of that somehow. And so does that have any effect in the real world? And if it does, how would it have effect in the real world? I mean, what it might do, I don't think that that relationship between love and power, I don't think that can translate to anything. But what it might do is it gives us this sense and um, this cultural sense of what these super rich people are like. I know I don't know if that's fair. I mean, obviously it's not, it's not real, but I think, I think it's fair that um, it's a reminder of us that these people are human. And although on some levels that means, I mean, I, I actually care, you know, a great deal more about these fictional characters than I do. When I think about um, the, the Murdoch children, for example, I, I, I have a completely antagonistic antagonistic feeling towards them and no warmth at all. So um, what you take away from it is that we should have more sympathy for the super rich. Yeah, that's where my argument was going. But I don't know, I don't mean that. What, I'm, yeah. what I think could happen is it might be beneficial when we are in our slow, slow way that we do try to change society, if we are attempting and it feels in our world that's, I mean, in Britain still managed by, you know, our, our government of, group of very privileged people really um it it, there does feel like a a desire to change that um balance of um power in in our society and become more equal and if it comes down to that sense of uh should we be you know taxing the super rich or taking some other issue that will prevent these kind of individuals becoming so incredibly powerful and rich Potentially, potentially that things like this does give just a, a sense of background in your head that these, they're having these incredibly powerful individuals is not just dangerous on a societal level, but it's not even good for them. Um, and any action that we could take to prevent that. It's helping like, everyone. <laughs> probably is helping everybody. Although you'd have to say that you don't, feel that the super rich watching this would have the same attitude. Do you, you, you know, I don't feel that James Murdoch's been watching this and thinking, oh, thank God somebody understands me. No. Please can someone take all my money away from me now? No, but maybe. God, wouldn't no. that be awfully sad? Maybe. But he can never admit that. Well, yeah. he wouldn't admit it, but yeah. maybe, and maybe he wouldn't even admit it to himself. But maybe if he did watch it, if. I doubt yeah. he would, but, you know, that would oh, be... Wouldn't... Wouldn't you, if you were, if you were one of the Murdochs, would you not be just, and you knew that there was a show that would potentially well, be based on Well, you would definitely have a look at it. Yeah. But whether you would become a kind of a devoted, a devoted fan. And yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying a devoted fan. I'm just saying. No, you but would you would need it. to be a devoted fan to sort of sense the pain and, and, and go through their journey. And, I guess so. And then potentially to, 
But I, I mean, it's definitely feasible. And after all, it's not just the Maddox. There are numerous families that it's yeah. been based on. So there are many people that might, that potentially might see themselves. But what I would say is that even if that was true and these people were recognising themselves and feeling heard, there's really the sad thing is that they are as stuck as any of the Roy children yeah. in, in the potential of what they can do. What, what are they going to do? They're not... They're, none of them ever seem, none of the Roy, Roy siblings in this series, I and mean, Kendall is one I'm particularly thinking of, and probably no, none of the super rich children in, in, you know, real, in reality ever seem able to step away from their fortune because they're a cog that's only been built for one machine. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of why that's... I think that's why the Kendall theme is because they, they can't just go away and live a normal life. They're, They've just been, they've been built for this thing, and that's what seems so sad and so dangerous for us, really. Okay. So, so maybe we would say, we would, we would want to think, what else can the super rich be given to do? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. On yeah. that note, yes. Have you any more? Because I feel that Jeff is wanting our attention. Well, I just have one one last sort of okay. section to this that I just want to talk about, which is, and this is what we talked about when we did our. Breaking Bad rewatch podcast. We were what we were constantly asking ourselves while we were watching that is that. Uh, and apologies for only actually getting halfway through Breaking Bad doing that, but other things took precedence. <laughs> um, but we were always asking what makes this such a great show. And I, I don't feel I'm exaggerating to say that Succession is now my favourite ever TV show. I okay. don't know about, about so the, the quick thing you want to add at the end <laughs> is what makes Succession a really great show. Well, I'm no. not, okay. I would say. I mean. Yeah. All the things I've said. Yes, all I the guess. things. Yes. Um, the brilliant blend of sort of psychology with high drama and yeah. fantastic, such, I mean, such, that we haven't even talked about the language, but the language yeah. is so the dialogue, brilliant. Yeah. The dialogue, which is often why people compare it to Shakespeare. Yeah. I mean, totally different kind of language, but beautifully ornate and absolutely nobody speaks like that. But it, you know, that's not what it's yeah. about. Um, but I, I want, so what I'm going to say, and I'm going to say this quite quickly, then, <laughs> um, is that although there's other, like, I, th- I think probably I would say before this Breaking Bad was probably my favourite series. And mm. both this and Breaking Bad have are expertly plotted. Like there's mm. the hooks that are put in for that are played out in, in like, you know, later episodes are very well done. I feel very... I believe in the characters of both of them, you know, Walter White character, his progression from the start of the series season to series to the end. But what gets me, what brings Succession up to my sort of number one show above the others is, is I think the themes that we were talking about. I think the theme of uh, an ordinary man becoming a drug dealer to support his family is a fascinating one. And the character development of Walter White is is absolutely fascinating, well-written. But this theme in, in here of in succession of why um, our adulation of wealth and of business and corporations is sort of like detrimental to society. I just think it's just like of the most mm. utmost importance. Now, really. I mean, yeah. it is, sorry, that's really interesting, isn't it? Because, but, um, <laughs> because I do, 
that's one of the pleasures you got from Succession. And actually, right from the beginning was just, oh, I can be in their world. I can be part of it. It's like I'm going along in this magical, rich, rich, rich world, which we like, you know, we like watching period dramas and imagining, oh, if yeah. I was dressing up like a princess, wouldn't that be great? Um, and it, it took us on that same journey, but then just showed us the horror, I guess. So that's that's quite an amazing ability to do it um you know to, to, to show us that something that seems so beautiful so glamorous so um something that we are drawn to is actually made of made well it's interesting of- you say about being drawn to it because i don't i was fast i was fascinated by it but i was repelled by it i wouldn't say i was ever drawn to it whilst watching i was, I was fascinated fascinated but didn't want to be in it no, so, yeah. well, you know that's because you're so cool and amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking we'd be cool and amazing. I was just thinking it seemed a repellent lifestyle to me. I, I the, the and because of the pain of the characters, in yeah. most, most, but you know, most surely there's yeah. a part of you that would think it would be quite cool if I could step onto a a private jet. Come on, I have enough problem just getting planes in general because of climate change. Let <laughs> alone taking private jets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> You're great. <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. I'm not trying to big myself up with this. I'm just, I'm saying that I was not compelled to feel like I wanted to be these people whilst watching it. But I was fascinated, like you say, by seeing. seeing I, I think, okay, rich. I think lots yeah. and lots of people are drawn to wealth. I think that's okay. fair to say, surely. Yeah. And I, I, I personally would admit to a, uh, you know, wanting least part of me. I, yeah, yeah, I don't want super wealth, but. I am interested. I wouldn't mind trying it for a day. I would like to have stayed in that place in Norway that they stayed yeah. in. Yeah, there are many, <laughs> yeah. many factors, many things, many yeah. part of it that that is. I think everybody on Earth, fucking Dalai yeah. Lama, would might there might be something that would go. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what that would be like. And that those people can do any of those things. There is literally nothing really that can't be bought by these people yeah. apart from love. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. <laughs> so. Um, do you think we're pretty much at the end now? Yeah, it's all about kind of money doesn't buy you love. Okay. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's succession in a nutshell. And also, succession podcasts don't take dogs for walks. Do That's they? true. Okay. Okay. Sorry so, about Jeff. Obviously, this will be our, our last succession and possession podcast because there's not going to be a season five, and it would be a terrible shame if Chessie Armstrong changes his mind seeing as this one's ended so well. But probably we'll do another podcast. When Jesse Armstrong and his writers decide to write something else, won't we? That seems to be all we do the podcast about now anymore. <laughs> so thank you very much for listening anyway. Thanks to everyone who wrote in. Yay, uh, like the emails you wrote in. Sorry if we didn't mention any of them. Uh, and we shall see you next time. And I'm that is. sorry I always sound quieter than Ethan, but I've realised now that's because he shouts. Yeah, I've tried to make you close <laughs> to the microphone anyway. I'm literally yeah. sitting on it. Right. Okay. Okay. Thanks, thank you very guys. much. Bye. Bye.